We have some really creative people in our church, don't we? Wasn't that awesome? Give those guys a hand. I mean, really all over the place. Our kids directors, our uh, Jeff Lance, our creative pastor, he handles a lot of this stuff too, overseeing it. But we had so many people building sets and, and coming up with fun decorations and stuff. I just got to say, I'm so proud of this church and, and, and how much amazingness God has put just inside of this body of people. And so it is so much fun to celebrate Jesus with all the creativity that we see amongst us. You know, I was thinking about what to talk about this morning, and I realized I need to create one of my signature really long sermons that puts people to sleep. <laughs> I'm kidding. We're in the middle of a series called What Child Is This? And so we've been asking this question, like, how is it that this little child has had such an impact in the world around us? How, what kind of child is this? And so we've said he is the Messiah. He's Christ the Lord, the one we have been waiting for all of these years, is what the Bible has said. Have you ever been in a place of waiting? You know, like, like you're waiting, you get the number, and then you have to sit in your chair and wait for your number to be called. Or you're waiting between classes, or, or maybe you've done your homework in school and you're sitting in the chair waiting for the bell to ring so that you can go to recess. You've been waiting for something, haven't you? I got to tell you, on Christmas morning, my kids are not very good at, at waiting. In fact, there's quite a different story 364 days of the year versus this one day of the year. When I go to wake up my kids in the morning re- regularly, the, the the, the school routine is, I wake them, I shake them, I turn on the lights, it's time to get up. And, and my response is, and I'm like, come on, you can do it, we got to go to school. And, and, and it results in, in, in escalating and, 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 and increasingly more aggressive tactics to get them out of bed. First it starts with a little lamp on the side, you know, and then as I open the curtains, and then a little gentle shake, and then a poke, and then if it gets down to it, the big room light, you know, the normal light comes on and then the tickle war ensues and, and I must tickle them awake in the morning. They don't give me that same, I don't know, advantage on Christmas morning because on Christmas morning, I'll be dead asleep and out of nowhere, boom, they jump right on me. Daddy, daddy, wake up. It's Christmas. It's time to open the presents. And I'm like, hold on. I got, let's get coffee. I don't know what. And they're turning the lights on and opening the blinds and then they start tickling me and it's... I've trained them well. You know, waiting in the Bible is something that we see all the time. In fact, if you read the Bible, the scripture talks about waiting on the Lord, like waiting on him and spending time in a a, a place of, of waiting. You see, the followers of Christ, which many of us here this morning call ourselves followers of Christ, are called to seasons of waiting sometimes. You know, you're not where you used to be. You're not where you want to be, and you're stuck in the middle. Sometimes there's these seasons of uncomfortableness waiting for what God is working on. But you know, what the Bible talks about in waiting is not a passive wait, not a take a number, sit down in the hard chair in DMV and wait for those people to, behind the counter to finally call your number wait. There's an actually, it's not a passive wait where you just sit back and relax wait. God calls us to an active wait. A wait where there's, there's actually some activity that happens. A wait where we make time in our day seeking the Lord rather than just going through our day like normal saying, well, he'll call my number when it's ready. 
There's an act of waiting that, that happens in Scripture. I imagine that the night before Christmas might seem like the longest night of waiting during the year for my kids. I remember as a kid, I could barely sleep. I was going to stay awake and, 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 and I'm going to try to catch Santa Claus. Or, or I was, I was going to try to, you know, stay awake. I was just so excited I couldn't even sleep. Made for a long Christmas. But the stimulation of hot chocolate and new toys kept me going. However, the waiting for the advent of Jesus that first Christmas has been a long time coming for many generations of people. You see, when you look at the Bible, there's an Old Testament that, that, that is talking about the promise of who Jesus is. But something happens in the timeline of looking at how Scripture portrays history. And so when you look, you see that all of a sudden, 400 years before Jesus comes on the scene, Scripture goes silent. It seems like the Lord goes silent. It seems like what, what, what's happening here? In fact, you have a page in your Bible. I, I know many of us read it on our tablets or our phones or on electronic devices. And, and so they don't do this in your electronic Bible. But in your real Bible, you see this page between the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's a blank page right there. And in most books you see this, and I wish that, that the Bible had said this, this page intentionally left blank. Because what happened during this intentional space? There was 400 years between when prophets were talking about the coming of the Lord and the coming of the Lord actually happened. 400 years. People were born, heard about this promise that had happened generations before them, and they died and never saw the promise come. What was God doing in the silence? Like, hello, are you up there? I don't know about you, but I felt that way about God. Going through life and, and the, the struggles and the, and the silence, and there's been times where I felt like, God, are you even, are you even here still? <laughs> this silence is deafening. Is this page left blank on purpose? Are you up to something? Has God ever felt silent to you? You might be here this morning, and you've never heard the voice of God. You might be here just because you got roped into coming to church because your grandkids or your, your nieces or your nephews are, and, and there's laughing because some of you are like, yep, that's the only reason I'm here. Hurry up, preacher man. Get me out the door. And so, and so I, but maybe that's why you're here. Maybe you've never heard the voice of God in your life. I want to tell you that he is real and he speaks and he's alive today. And that there is a voice that maybe you've never heard before, but he wants to talk to you and he wants you to listen. You might be a follower of Christ and you've heard his voice at times in your life, but this might be one of those silent seasons. You know the times when you talk to the Lord and you pray for healing in somebody's life and they die anyway. You pray for a spouse and, and it just seems like every day is still lonely. You pray for that better job and, and it doesn't seem to be happening or maybe in the process of praying for the promotion you get fired from the job that you already had and it's like God we're taking a step backwards here um what gives have you ever felt like God answers other people's prayers but is silent for yours you've been praying for that baby and somebody else gets pregnant everybody else knows where they're going to college as your senior year of high school approaches and you're like man 
I haven't even been accepted anywhere yet. Has God's silence ever caused you to wonder if there ever even is a God? And so what is God doing in the silence? What is God doing in the silence? Have you ever wondered where God is in your hard times? Have you looked at the sky and said, God, where are you? I've seen you in the past, but God, I I really kind of need you now. I kind of need you now. Listen, when God is silent, he is not still. When God is silent, he is not still. He's up to something. He's working. There's, there's things moving behind the scenes that you may not fully understand. So what do we do in the silence? You know, we should never confuse God's silence with his absence. Just because we don't hear him or see him working very present in our time, don't confuse that with his absence. He's there and he's working. You just may not see it. You may not see it. The seasons of silence, we're tempted to think that God has abandoned us. But the Bible is full of people who have, had, have great regrets because they made bad decisions when God was silent. This blank page in our Bible represents 400 years. No word of God. No voice of God. No, no prophet sent by God. Where did he go? What was he doing? Like, did he just need a vacation? I mean, 400 years. So if you look at the scripture, you see a blank page. But I want to encourage you with something. You see, God was up to something. If you look at the history books from that day, God was up to something. There are three things that happened in an historical context that helped prepare the way for the new Messiah. The first thing that happened is this, is that there was a common language established amongst the people. The the Roman Empire was in full swing, and the Romans had established this great uh, empire and this this language. Alexander the Great, he was a military strategist and leader. He had military conquests and victories. In fact, he conquered so much, he said, I'm depressed because there's nothing left to conquer. I've killed, and I mean, he has it all, and he's now discouraged and depressed because he can't conquer anything else. And he said this, all of the known world should speak a common language. That language was Koinonia Greek. Koina Greek. And Koina Greek was actually the language that most of the New Testament was written in because it was the street language that everybody understood. God was up to something in the silence. God was using people who were not godly to help establish a common language so that the gospel could travel to the whole world. The second thing was that Roman peace was established. The Roman government had conquered everything. Like they, they owned it all. There was a peace system set up so that people could have exchanges and, and there was a, an opportunity that the war wasn't there. You see, in war times, people were, didn't want to travel as much. In war times, people were more of a survival mode than a thriving mode. We see it in our own country, in our own culture. The ebbs and flows of a survival versus a thriving context. When our economy is thriving, people are willing to take more risks. They're willing to travel more. They're willing to do more things. This economy was was thriving. There was a, a peace that was there. And so that people were prepared. They could travel and go from place to place to place. And not only that, in the midst of the 400 years, the Roman road system was built. So now you have a common language 
You have a, an economy and a, and a peace and, 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 a, and a cultural presence that people can now travel and they built the roads that they can get there easily, efficiently. I'm telling you, in the 400 years, God was doing something to have a setup for when Jesus came. So when God is silent, he is never still. During a play, I went to a play at Pope Joy recently. They have an intermission. And during the intermission, the, the, the curtain drops. And I went, you know, used the restroom, get a cup of coffee and ha 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 with some friends. And, and, and then it's all of a sudden the lights flicker and it's like, oh, it's time to come back in. But in that gap, when the curtain comes down, everything behind the curtain is changing. When the silence is in your life, God is doing something behind the curtain that you may not fully be aware of. Never confuse God's silence with his absence. The world stage was set so that the gospel of Jesus could be catapulted to all of humanity. So when the curtain came up for the second act, the scene was this. It was a silent night. Now, I'm not sure at what point they started the clock on the silent night part. Because when you hear about the angels singing and the multitude of angels singing, it seems like it was really loud. And then the shepherds with their sheep, sheep are noisy. I imagine there was some noise going on there. And I've been in the hospital for both of my children's child's birth, and that was not a silent moment either. Things were said. Things were said. What stays in the hospital, what happens in the hospital stays in the hospital. Shepherds were watching their flocks on this silent night. And we look in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. It says this, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. A little late, but okay. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to the God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. When God has gone silent, he is rearranging the stage. And when the curtain rises, your life will be positioned to accomplish God's will. We serve a God who is faithful. And in the midst of the silence, I want you to know that he has, he has not left you. If the band would come, I'm going to wrap up right now and we're going to sing one last carol. But what do you do in the seasons of silence? I mean, what do you, what do, you do when it's quiet? The temptation is, at least in my life, is that my temptation is, is I want to go change it up on my own. I want to take the situation into my own hands. I want to apply for that job. I want to go invest in this thing. I want to go start this or stop that or, or do this or do that. I want, to, I want to take control because the silence is deafening and it, and it seems like God's nowhere to be found. So what do you do in the season of silence? When you hear God's silence, when you feel his presence or feel his absence, you must trust in his presence. When you hear his silence and you feel his absence, you have to trust in his presence. We talk about a curtain that came down 
and a curtain that came back up. You see, the major change in the Old Testament and the New Testament, why this is so significant, is that there was another curtain that was in the Bible. You see, in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, in the place where God's presence was, you see, God's presence dwelled in a, in a building at the time. And there was a curtain that separated from where God's presence was to where people were allowed to be in. Because if you got too close to his presence, it would kill you. You see, when Jesus was on this earth, he lived and he died and he rose again. In, those, in that gap, in the silence of those three days, when the disciples seemed scattered and th- seemed things chaotic, in that moment of silence, Jesus went and tore the veil, the, the, the curtain that went between the presence of God and the rest of the building. You see, something significant happened because, you see, they called Jesus, God is with us, which would have been heresy at the time because God's in that building down the street. You see, something big happened in this season. God became with us. You see, he, he left the idea that, that I need to be in a building. And he says, I can dwell inside of my people. And when he sent the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of us, all of a sudden we have the presence of God that we get to carry with us everywhere that we go. You don't know what he's up to in the silence. In a silent night, the whole world changed. In the 400 years of silence, God was up to something behind the scenes. In the three days of silence, when Jesus died on the cross before he rose again, God was up to something big behind the scenes. When you're in your moment of silence and you're questioning, is God even there? Has he left me and has he abandoned me? You must have a faith. You must call on a faith inside of you and say, I'm gonna have faith that God is working on something while I don't see him or feel him. This silent night was, was so much bigger than just a night. It changed the world. The waiting for the arrival of the Lord was over. He was here and he was among us. He moved from the building into our hearts and church. If you're a follower of Christ today, you have the presence of God that can live with you right now. So church, will you stand with me and let's sing one last carol before we take off this morning.
Spirit be with you all. Have a wonderful week.